This is the Life Church Podcast. For more messages, to watch our live stream, or to find other events, go to lifechurchnow.org. Hey, good morning, everybody. Everybody doing okay? Yeah? You know, that, that question, how are you doing, it has a lot of new meaning these days, doesn't it? Um, and I was just actually reminded of that as, uh, as Pastor Josh was commenting about, you know, how, how his week can tend to be as he thinks about, you know, the racial injustice, the pandemic, the uh, derecho thing, the upcoming election, all of this stuff kind of throws uh, us in different, in different types of chaos, right? We, 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 we go into different modes of thinking, some, some, of, some of it's defensive, some of it's a challenge, sometimes it puts us in a place where we are even polarized with, within our own family, and, and it hit me, you know, that we, we, we tend to ask this question, and it's a question that I know that I ask regularly, it's, it's kind of like a, an icebreaker type of question, but we tend to ask this question, hey, how are you doing, you know, and, and if we were all honest, <laughs> when we answer that question, it would be funny, well, maybe not so funny, but it would be very eye-opening, wouldn't it? Not good, right? Most of us would probably say, not, not that great. I mean, you know, there's these spiritual realities of us that we have that, yeah, of course, in Christ, we are more than conquerors. In Christ, we are victorious. We absolutely recognize that. But man, the day-to-day ongoings of life, you know, the interactions we have, it seems like, it seems like our, our interactions these days with other people that, we've, that we know and we relate to, whether it's at work or whatever, has just intensified. Like, I would go maybe once every three months probably talking about, like, you know, try, I try to avoid it, but like talking about political stuff. It's almost a daily conversation. Now, not, not simply because of the election, but because of so much going on in our world. And I'm saying all of that to say this, guys. <clears throat> it is a tough season. And it's okay to feel how tough the season is. I'm reminded of it every single Sunday as I look out into this audience and I see more than two-thirds of our chairs not filled. And I see the plastic, and I see roped-off sections, and I see masks. I'm reminded of how all of us are processing a lot of things. And the only challenge I want to give you right now, and the only encouragement I want to give you right now is that no matter what is happening in our everyday life, God is still a reality in our everyday life. And we could still press into him. And even if it's for momentary respite, even if it's just for momentary, okay, Lord, thank you for allowing me to make it through this day. In fact, that's the kind of faith that we are encouraged to live out, is the faith that has us living day in and day out trusting him. It's no longer, we're no longer that time, and I don't, I'm not even preaching my sermon, sorry guys. Uh, so, sorry, Cedar Rapids. Hey, welcome Cedar Rapids. <laughs> let's, let's welcome Cedar Rapids, okay, they're, they're watching us. <laughs> they're like, what happened to Rich? He just started talking, preaching some other sermon. It's not even on the notes, so amen. But just want to encourage you. God wants to speak to you every single morning. God wants to connect with you every single morning. And that's the way we're going to navigate the season that we're in as we press into him. Amen? Amen. All right. Well, I'm glad that Cedar Rapids is joining us. We're so glad, guys. Uh, 
thank you for joining us. Thank you for being there. Thank you for being the church in Cedar Rapids. We're super excited about you guys here. You know, this November is going to be 15 years since we, uh, we launched uh, Life Church. My family and I moved here to start Life Church. It about, it'll be 15 years in November. And, and I, you know, over the years, I've had many different conversations, you know, about, uh, about this move that we made. You know, people ask me questions like, as I get to talk to people, they'll ask questions like, hey, so what brought you to Iowa? I'm like, when I, especially when I tell them we were, we were living in Huntington Beach, California before moving here, they're like, why? <laughs> Why'd you do that? Why'd you move from Huntington Beach to Iowa, you know? Generally, that question gets, po- they, they generally say, why? Because I'm like, we might be like in our snow boots standing out in the snow, and they're like, what in the world is wrong with you, you know? But, um, but I'll say, you know, we came to specifically to, to, to plant a church, to start a church. And, you know, some people, to them, that's puzzling. They're like, what? Like, they, like in, you could see the wheels spinning, like, that's done? Like, Churches are started? Like, I thought churches are always there. I didn't realize that churches are started. So that's part of the, the, the query that they have. But then it goes even further, as, and they'll say things like, well, aren't there enough churches already in this town? Why'd you come here to start? You were living in Huntington Beach. Why'd you leave Huntington Beach to come start another church in Iowa City? Does that make any sense? And, uh, you know, of course, to me, it makes a lot of sense. But I, I get it that they don't understand what is church, right? And so typically those conversations go move towards me talking a lot about what is church? What does it mean to be church, right? And so today, as we launch a campus in Cedar Rapids, you know, I wanna help us define this idea of church. I'm gonna be very honest with you. It's a single sermon today. There's no way I'm gonna be able to give you all the details and the nuances of what, what it means to, ch- to be church and what it means to be the church. But I do wanna kinda of land on one. We have our values. If you walked in, you saw on our wall as you're coming in, there's, all, there's our eight values. One of our values is this value of relevance. And I wanna focus in on that today especially for those of you in Cedar Rapids that might be wondering, especially if you're a guest at Cedar Rapids, you might be wondering, why are we, you know, what, what, what is the deal with this church? Why is that pastor up there with, with converse, great converse on, you know? And, and, and so we might think that you might think, oh, it's this idea of relevance, but I, I do want to define relevance a little bit for us, okay? And then give us an idea of what is church. And so our value here at Life Church, we have a value of relevance. It goes like this. Irrelevance is irreverence. Irrelevance is irreverence. Therefore, we affirm the need to do new things in new ways without compromising the message of Jesus Christ. Let me kind of speak to this value a little bit. When you think about Jesus, when he came to earth, Jesus didn't, he's the son of God, right? Does everybody, can we affirm that he's the son of God? Of course, he's the son of God. Um, We can affirm that he died for our sins. He gave his life on the cross for our sins. We can affirm that, right? He is amazing. He's, in fact, most of us are even here right now because he has transformed our lives. But when he came at that time in Jerusalem and he landed in, in Palestine, when he came, he didn't come floating three feet above ground saying to the world, look, I'm the son of God, speaking in some kind of heavenly language and nobody understood that needed some kind of spiritual interpreter to interpret what he was saying. He came as a fully human He was a carpenter. 
He spoke Hebrew and Aramaic, not English. He walked among us. In fact, the Bible tells us in Philippians that he he didn't consider equality with God something to be grasped. In other words, the idea was that he, he came to become like us, to identify with us, to communicate. If you can understand the incarnation, he came on earth to communicate what God was like in a way that we could understand. That's what Jesus did. That's the incarnation. And that's really the value that we talk about when we say relevance is being able to communicate that. There's a pastor in, um, in, uh, in Washington, D.C. His name is Mark Batterson. <clears throat> this is what he says about relevance. He says, God isn't just omniscient. I think God isn't just omniscient, and om- omniscient, which means knows everything, omnipresent, which means he's everywhere, and omnipotent, which means he has all power. He's omnirelevant. He knows the number of hairs on our head. So God knows everything. Let's go on. God is, he, he knows every need before we verbalize it, and he speaks more than six billion dialects. No one is more relevant than God. Let's go on. So anything less than relevance is irreverence. Relevance equals reverence. Let's move on. Cultural relevance doesn't mean dumbing down or watering down the truth. It's about incarnating timeless truth in timely ways. And that's what relevance is, is learning to speak, is learning to, to talk about God in ways, time, timeless truth, in ways that people can understand. So when Jesus died on the cross and when he was resurrected and when he was ascended back into heaven, he gave us the task of doing exactly that, of communicating timeless truths in timely ways. And so that's our job as a church. You see, the church is God's vehicle for salvation of humankind. Cedar Rapids, you hear me? The reason why you're in Cedar Rapids is because God wants to use you for people to meet Jesus Christ in Cedar Rapids. The church is the vehicle. We are the ones. We're the ones that need to be communicating that Jesus loves them. Salvation comes, salvation in God comes through this vehicle called the church. That's us. And how are we going to do it? How are we going to be reverent to God and be able to speak into a world that's lost and dying and needs Christ? And that's where this idea of relevance comes in. We're going to look at uh, an image of the church in Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2 verse 42, it says this. It's a great image. It says, they talking about the church, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. That's God's word. And to fellowship. That's about being in community. It's about relationships. And to the breaking of bread. In this context, we're talking about communion, you know, like holy communion. But it's, the idea goes even beyond that. When you think about breaking bread, we're talking about doing life together, communing together. There's a spiritual dynamic of doing life together. When believers come together, it's more than just simply, hey, we had a meal together. Hey, it's fun to, to, to talk to people that feel the same way about uh, things that I, that I feel. It's more than that. There's a spiritual dynamic about communion, that when we are doing life together, we are being God's kingdom here on earth, okay? And to prayer, the church was a praying church. So this early church was committed to these ideas. And it says in verse 43, everyone was filled with awe 
Okay, so this is what the church did, and then this is what happened as a result of that. Everyone was filled with awe at the, at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. So the apostles evidently were people going around healing the sick, casting out demons, doing amazing, miraculous works, right? They were filled with awe. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions. So this church, this new church, this brand new church starts doing some pretty crazy stuff. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. So you see that they're, you know, they're just fleshing this thing out, this being the church, right? Praising God and enjoying, and notice this, and enjoying the favor of all the people. There's something about relevance here. The favor of all the people, meaning that the way the church was living itself out, people were watching and said, wow, there's something attractive to that. There's something interesting about that. There's something appealing about that. So much so that it goes on. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. The relevant church is a growing church. This is what the church is all about. Is reaching those who are disconnected and lost, living out these ideals among themselves in such a way that the world out there sees it and say, I want some of that. I want to be a part of that. So what I want to do is I want to, so this is an image of the church I just read in Acts chapter 2. What I want to do is I want to compare and contrast um, that image with some image that are current images for us. What we normally think of the church. Um, how... Our, our culture thinks of the church. I think one image that uh, our culture oftentimes are captures what our culture thinks of the church is that it's a movie theater. So I have here Regal Cinemas, the movie theater. Now, what do you do at movie theaters, right? You go to a movie, and uh, what's the purpose of going to a movie? Huh? You say it out loud. To be entertained. Yes, to be entertained, you know, maybe, maybe even distracted a little bit, maybe, you know, relaxed a little bit, you know, that's what you do. So you go to a movie, you watch a movie, you're entertained. When you walk out of a movie theater, what often happens is that we become, do you, do you guys remember these guys, Siskel and Ebert, Roger Ebert, Sis, I can't remember, Gene Siskel, I think is what his name was. Uh, it was a show, it was, a, it was a, a, a critique show called At the Movies, where they would basically critique all these movies that were coming out. And, uh, and they, were, they were characterized by, by talking about the movie. They'd ask questions. Was it a good movie? Did the plot go? Was the plot dragged out, drug out? You know, was it, a, was it a appealing? You know, did, did, did it have a point? And then at the end of that critique, they would say either two thumbs up, two thumbs down, or one thumb up, one thumb down. You know, however, they would, they would go back and forth. And I think sometimes, subconsciously, that's how we see the church. Like we go to church... Uh, we think ourselves as the audience. We've come here to be entertained, hopefully inspired. We may laugh a little bit. You know, the message was good or the, the worship was good. And, and we walk out and we become Roger Ebert. And we ask ourselves, was it, that, that was a good service. That was, that was two thumbs up. Or, yeah, the worship was great. Pastor Rich, man, he was so off. You know, one thumb up, one thumb up, one thumb up for, day, for, for Josh, one thumb down for Rich. <laughs> and it all comes from this assumption that we are the audience. Well, let me be real clear right now. We gather here, Cedar Rapids, you're gathering. You're not the audience. 
You're not the audience. There is an audience, but you're not the audience. God is our audience. That's why we are here. Because there's a centrality of, the, of our relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what's binding us together. That's what's bringing us together is our relationship with Jesus Christ. We're not the audience. We're not here to be like, you know, hey, it's up or down. No, no, that's not where we're at. We're here basically to please God. Look what it says in verse 40. It says, they devoted themselves. This is the church. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. That word devoted is a very interesting word. It, it literally means committed. They committed themselves to God's word. They were devoted. It was an act of devotion. It wasn't just entertainment. In fact, it wasn't entertainment. It was devotion to God, devotion to his word. That's why our first and primary value here at Life Church is, is God's word, biblical truth. It guides us, it leads us. God's word inspires us. Sometimes it challenges us. We, 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 we have it as our first and primary value because we believe that it's through God's word. As, we inter, as our lives intersect God's word, it changes our lives. It informs our marriages. It informs our, our relationships. It informs our dating life. It informs our finances. It informs every arena of our life. We know, I understand that people walk through these doors or attend Life Church or watch online or, or connect with us in some way or another who may, maybe, maybe that all their life is not necessarily informed by what God's word, but our, our purpose is to move us in that direction, to engage God's word in such a way that it begins to transform how we think, how we live. This is the idea of being a, this is the relevant church in which we speak time, timeless truths in timely ways. We strive to do that here at Life Church. I like how, how, you know, just prior to this passage I read, Peter preaches a sermon, and listen to how the people respond in Acts 2.37, how they're responding to God's word. It says, when the people heard this, talk about God's word, they were cut to the heart. They were cut to the heart and said to Peter and, to, and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? What shall we do? And my prayer for us is that we would have that same spirit as we, as we come here, as, we, as you join in Cedar Rapids, as you join here in Coralville, that we'd have that same spirit. That we come here, we gather, not necessarily to be entertained, not to watch a movie, not to, I mean, it's fun. I like coming here. I think it's fun. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm not saying this, let it be boring. I hope, I hope, I don't want to go to a boring church. But changing our mindset, we're not here to be entertained, but we're here to engage God's word, allow God's word to begin a, tr a transformation in us so that we walk out these doors. In fact, one of my prayers every single Sunday is, God, as people come to church today, let them leave different than how they came. And that's not an act of Rich Green. That's not even an act of Josh Meiser and the worship team. That's an act of the Holy Spirit as the Holy Spirit illuminates his word in our life and begins to challenge areas of our life where we say to ourselves as we're walking out the door, we're saying to ourselves, not so much, hey, that was a great day, two thumbs up, but rather we're walking out and saying, God, what needs to change in me? How do I need to change? What do I need to do different in my life? So the church that is relevant, Reverend, is not a movie theater. It's not a place of entertainment necessarily. It's a place where God's word is spoken in just timely ways. And it speaks to your life and it cuts to the heart and it allows us to say to ourselves, God, what needs to change in our life? I think another image 
in our culture of church is that of a, like a retail store or a mall. I've got a, this is Coral Ridge Mall. And, uh, you know, what do we do? What do we do in stores? Shop. Shop. That's right. That was, come on, this is not hard questions. <laughs> we shop, right? We go in, we look for, we're looking for something that we want. I'm a very particular shopper. I, I, I don't, okay, there is one place I can go and maybe linger a lot, and that's generally like the tools section in Lowe's or, or at, a, at an auto place. I might linger around a lot in those places, but most of the time when I go into a Walmart or Target or anything, I, I, I'm in and out and you know, when my wife says to me, hey, Rich, do you want to go to Target with me? I, in my mind, I'm like, no, I don't. But I do. But I, in my mind, I'm like, no, I don't. Because her idea of shopping is just looking at everything, you know. But my idea of shopping is I, I have a specific thing I want. If I can't find it in this store, I'm out of that store within five minutes to the next store that I, where I can find the thing that I want. That's what we do. That's, how, that's what a store is, right? That's what a mall is for. That's what a shopping center. What's interesting is that this same mentality has become part of the church as well. This consumer-based kind of culture that, we, that we're talking about. In fact, I have literally, people have said to me here, and I'm not being judgmental when I say this. I'm just saying this, this is what I've heard. As I meet somebody new who's walked through the doors, and we start talking, and they say, yeah, um, yeah, we're looking for a church. We're, we're, and they use the word, we're church shopping, which, like I said, I understand it, you know, in this consumer-based culture that we live in, I get it, you know. But that's not what we find in the early church. This wasn't a group of people that were shopping around. They were people who were deeply committed to fellowship. In other words, they were deeply devoted to one another. They were not customers in a store. They were family. Verse uh, 44 says, all the believers were together and had everything in common. All the believers were together and had everything in common. There's this idea of unity in this passage, this idea of togetherness, this idea of family, of brothers and sisters. They had everything in common. But then as I think more about this verse, I realize, wait a minute, no, they did not. I mean, they spoke different languages. They came from different parts. Of, they were, I'm sure there, was different so, there, there were different socioeconomic realities amongst this early church. They, didn't have, they weren't all uniform. They weren't all the same. So when it says they had everything in common, it's not really talking about everybody being like everybody else. What it's talking about is that they had a person in common. The name Jesus Christ. And because Jesus was their Lord and their Savior, they were brothers and sisters. And now they had everything in common. Because they were brothers and sisters. This is what the early church was known for. It was known as a family. And that's my prayer for us as a church. In fact, I see this all the time. When light bulbs come on and there's this discovery of brothers and sisters that we did not know we had. Somebody comes up to me and says, Pastor, can you believe this? I, I lived on the street, my neighbor, for, for 10 years. I didn't realize we go to the same church together. And then they start doing life together, and they realize, hey, right on my street, brothers and sisters, we're, 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 we're next to each other. Or you meet a coworker, and you discover this person loves Jesus, and, and they have a relationship with Jesus Christ, and all of a sudden you start doing life with that person. Or you come here, and you join a serve team. 
And you meet somebody for the very first time, and next thing you know, you're just spending all kinds of time with this person because you're brothers and sisters, right? This is what we've been called to as a church, to be brothers and sisters, to have a family mentality when we meet each other. We put each, other, each other's needs ahead of our own. They're more important to us than myself, right? We sacrifice for one another. We serve one another. Now, when you're shopping, that's not generally how it works, right? When you're shopping, if there's one item left on the shelf, what do you do? Even if you're not sure you're going to take it, buy it for sure, you still grab it, right? Just in case you decide to buy it. You pull it off the shelf because you don't want anybody else to get it. That's the idea of shopping. It's the idea that it's, you know, I'm looking out for myself. <clears throat> that's not how the church operates. We don't think first of ourselves. We think first of each other. And that's how the early church was. They were committed to each other. They were brothers. They were sisters. And so I want to challenge you. If, you, if you've been attending here or in Cedar Rapids, it's your very first Sunday and you're attending... <clears throat> You may be afraid to commit to this church. In Cedar Rapids, you might be afraid to commit <laughs> to this church. It's brand new. You're not sure what they're all about. I'm just going to challenge you to step over that line. You might be afraid it was going to cost you, but just step over that line. Understand that there's joy to be found when you say, okay, I'm committed. When you say, yes, I'm a part of this. They're not just people I'm going to get something from. They are my family. And I'm going to serve in, in this area. Now, be forewarned, we're an imperfect family. Yeah, there's a little bit of dysfunction sometimes. There's a few cousin Eddies running around here. You know who you are. Maybe you don't know who you are, but we know who you are anyways, right? There's a few of those. But that's what family's all about, right? Every family has a cousin Eddie. Every family, and, then, and, we, and, we, and even though we struggle sometimes with Cousin Eddie, we can't do life without Cousin Eddie. This is the family that we're part of. So I'm inviting you to just step over the line of shopping and make a commitment. It's for your own good. And it's for the benefit of all of us. We need family members who are not just saying, hey, I'm, I'm in it for myself. We need family members who are saying, I can give. I can be a part of this. I can give my life away. I can give my resources away. I can give of my time away to others. In many ways, that's really what we did a few weeks ago when we canceled services here. And we went up to Cedar Rapids. Why? Because there are our family up there. And they were hurting, and they're still hurting. And we made a choice as a family. This wasn't... This wasn't a political move. This wasn't a, it definitely was not a financial move because it costs a lot. <laughs> this was totally the fact that we are family. And we have to serve one another. We have to love one another. We have to give to one another. So we're not customers shopping for what we want. We're brothers and sisters. We are family. I think another image of the church in our culture is that of a, of a of a restaurant. This is a, the new pizza ranch, I think, in North Liberty is what I found on the internet. I haven't been to it yet, but, and it looks empty. There's nobody there. Just picture. <laughs> you know, if you go to a restaurant, imagine if you went to a restaurant, when, when you go to a restaurant, you go there to be served, right? Imagine if you went to a restaurant, and as you walked in, the host or hostess greets you and says, here, and hands you a dirty dishcloth and says, 
could you, uh, before you get seated, could you wipe some tables off? They're dirty. Can you please wipe some tables off? Uh, you'd be like, what? And then after you, okay, so maybe you comply, you wipe some tables off, then you sit down, and you, you start looking through the menu, and then the server comes up and says, hey, you know what? We're really, really running behind in the kitchen. Would you mind just going in the kitchen for a little while and do some cooking for us? It, it would really help us if you, if you did a little bit of cooking in the kitchen. Now, I, don't, I suppose that that's not a very good business model for, 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 for a restaurant, but I think, I think oftentimes that's what we see that's what we think the church is. It's a restaurant. It's a place where we go to be served and to be waited upon. In fact, these words are often used. I want to be in a place where I'm fed. There's nothing wrong with that. Certainly, you don't want to sit here for an hour or at least 30 minutes listening to me. You don't want to sit here and, and not get anything. You do want to be fed. But think about that language. It's about being served. It's about being waited on. <clears throat> Some of you need to push away from the table. See, this idea of being fed, here's what we need to understand about being a follower of Jesus Christ. Spiritual growth happens best, not sitting at the dining table, but in the kitchen. When we get our hands dirty when we commit to a body of, of believers and say, I'm gonna be a part of this body and I'm gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna serve. I have resources to give of my time, my energy, my finances, my, you know, every, I've got resources to give, I'm just gonna get involved. And that's where true spiritual growth begins to ha happen. So maybe some of us do need to push away from the table and start serving one another. Um, I, I like what it says in verse 45. It says, selling their possessions, this is the image of the early church, selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone who had need, anyone as he had need. This, is a, this was marked by this selfless service. This early church had this selfless service. Uh, something has happened to me from time to time, and I don't know, maybe it's happened to you, I'm sure it's probably happened to some of you. Um, have you ever been like in, like in a Walmart or a Target? It happens, it's happened to me in Target only, but it, it, you've been in a Walmart or in a Target, and you're just kind of browsing, you're shopping, and all of a sudden somebody comes up to you and says, hey, could you tell me where I could find this? And you're like, uh... Uh, I, don't, I don't work here. Like, oh, oh, sorry, it's okay. And they kind of move on. One, one, one Christmas season, it happened to me twice. Like twice in a week, somebody came up to me and said, and I, started, I got a little self-conscious, like, am I in Target? I'm like, am I wearing khaki pants and a red polo or something? Why, why are they asking me if I know where something is in the store, right? There's a little bit of confusion going on. And so the, the object, the point of this illustration is, don't wear khaki pants in Target. That, that'll, that'll help you. But no, the point of this illustration is that that's what I really want for this church. Is that there's a little bit of confusion going on. Like, who, who's really up here? Who's in charge of stuff? Like, people walk in through the doors. People who have never experienced the church walk in through the doors. And they see just a bunch of servants serving Jesus. And they're not sure who, is, who really is, you know, works here. Who doesn't work here. But they just know that there are people who are busy serving one another. We're not a restaurant. We're not here to be waited upon, to be served. We're meant to serve. We're meant to wait on others. We're not customers. We're servants. 
The last image I want to share with you, of, I think, in our culture of a church, and I picked this one out because it, it, you may not realize it's a gym. It is a gym, but he, this guy is Aaron Larmore. He attends our church, and uh, he owns a gym here called ProFit. But um, uh, this is an image of gym. I think some people have this idea that church is like a gym. It's like a place where I get fit. And, and you would say, well, wait a minute, Rich, that, that's a good analogy. That's a good comparison to what church it is. It, it should be a place where we do get fit, right? Where we, where we exercise. But here's the problem. If you think of the analogy of gym, the truth is about gym statistics show that about gyms, that gyms aren't really helping the people that need it the most. That really what gyms, statistically speaking, are for those who are already fit and just want to maintain their fitness. And so they go to a gym. In fact, there's this uh, gym in Chicago. It's pretty, it's pretty, uh, pretty amazing. It's, it, it closed down permanently. I, I read up this week. It closed down permanently because of COVID. But um, at this gym, the only people that can become members of this gym were those who had to lose 50 pounds or more. That's the only people who are allowed to, to join this gym. And this is their rationale. Oftentimes, gyms are their own worst enemy. Because people who need their help the most don't feel comfortable coming. Let's not be that church. Who people who need help the most don't feel comfortable coming. See, I think we could do that oftentimes, right? We come in here and we try to look as impressive as possible. Like we got our act together, we suck our gut in, we make sure that, you know, we look good, we, sh- we make sure that, that when people see us, they think, Oh, yeah, I mean, these people are perfect. We don't want to be that place. We say around here, come just as you are, but don't stay that way. And it affirms this value of relevance that this needs to be a community where anyone can come in and feel welcome and feel wanted. In verse 47, it says, I love how this whole passage ends, ends, ends like this. And the Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved. So this church lived out these ideals. They fleshed out the, what Jesus taught them. They fleshed it out. They lived it out. And as they lived it out, because, they, because it spoke to people, because people were hungry for something more, it says the Lord added to their number daily as the, those who were being saved. The church was a place where outsiders were constantly becoming insiders. People knew that they could go there and they didn't have to have all their stuff together. They knew they could be a part of this thing, this community, and grow in their, in their relationship with Jesus Christ. I have on my whiteboard in my office here, I have a whiteboard. And on my whiteboard, I have a, three words, and I have them in order. Belong, believe, become. And that's the order that I've put it in. And the reason why I've done that is because historically, historically, church was a place where you had to believe first then become, then you would belong. And, and some of you probably grew up in churches like that where that's what it was like. If you, gotta, you, gotta, you have to have all your stuff right. You have to know all your stuff. You have to make sure you're living all right. And then you can be a part of our, our community. And we felt like this is, this is not, the, first of all, it's not the model that Jesus portrayed. But we felt that really that's not what, Je- what Jesus, what God wants us as a church to do as well, right? And so... It's, this is a place where, where we want to have that kind of environment. We're, we're inviting people to belong first. 
and as they belong, as they start coming in and start realizing, wow, this is, I, I, these are people that I can be with, they start believing, and next thing you know, as they're believing, as they start realizing that the truth of Scripture, because they're, they're engaging with Scripture, right? They're engaging with t- these timeless truths, and these timeless truths are beginning to inform their marriages and beginning to inform their financial world. They're beginning to inform their dating life. They're beginning to form all this. As these Scriptures are informing that, they start believing, and then as they start believing, they start becoming all that God wanted them to become. That's the model that we have here at Life Church. The church is not a movie theater. We're not here to be entertained. We're not the audience. We're not a shopping center trying to get what we want. We're not a restaurant being waited upon and served. We're not a gym trying to look the part. In fact, the church is not a place at all. Do you get that? That's not more, more evident and more true and more real than now during this COVID season. The church is really a family. And right now, as I'm speaking to you, there are many family members that are not here. They used to come here every Sunday, but they're not here for a variety of different reasons, mostly COVID. Because they're not here doesn't mean there's not church. See, we're a family we're a family. That's who we are. Cedar Rapids, you're a family. In fact, I encourage you to kind of look around and look at the family members in your church. That's who you are. You're a family. And Jesus calls us as a family to be relevant in our communities, to speak timeless truths in timely ways so that the world around us that are hurting and broken, especially in this season right now, can find hope, can find life through Jesus Christ. I'm going to ask us to stand right now. Jairus, our pastor in Cedar Rapids, he's going, to, he's going to close it out there. But I want to ask those of you here right now a question. What is church to you? What is church to you? Is it the ability to come here and attend and experience something? Do you have this idea in your mind that I, I hope church, you know, I've, I've said this myself, I hope church is good today. <laughs> I hope church is good today. I hope the worship is on point today. I hope Pastor Rich brings a, brings a good one. Is it about entertainment Is it a place where you're just shopping, you're just looking for something to, to you know, for yourself? You, you know, there are other people around, there are a lot of other needs around it, but I just need it for me. I've got to take care of me. Do you come here and just kind of play the part? Checkbox, I attend church today, I checked it off. You know, I put on my face, I put on my mask, I look good. Nobody suspects that I have, a, that I have a, a struggle with pornography. Nobody suspects that my wife and I are not, just can't stand each other. Nobody suspects that my kids are just, just hating my guts. I look good. <laughs> I'm playing the part. What is church? Well, let me just tell you what church is. Church is a family. And I need my family. You need family. We all need family. And so I want to challenge you 
however we can challenge each other now, but I want to challenge you as you walk out these doors, ask yourself those deep questions. God, how am I a part of this church? Is this my family? And if it's my family, God, will you help me to engage with my family? Will you create opportunities, Father, so I can connect with my family? Because that's who we are. We're family. Amen. Let me pray for you. Father, I just want to thank you. I thank you first and foremost, Father, for the fact that most of us in this room can say that there's a moment in time where you you stepped into our lives and you, and you took us just as we were. We were lost. We were sinners. We were broken. We were hurting. We were just no good. But you accepted us and you brought us in. And we entered into a relationship with you, Jesus, that has been transformative all these years. And Father, you have made something beautiful out of our lives when really our life could have been a disaster. So I thank you, Father, for saving us. I thank you, Father, for sending your son to the cross to die for our sins so that we can be forgiven and whole again. I pray for my friends and my families right now, Father, that's right here listening. They're sitting in this room. Some of them are hurting deeply. You know them, Father. You know who they are. You know the pain that they're going through. You know the hurt that they're going through, Father. And I just pray, Lord, that you would, by your, by your spirit, by your presence first, just envelop them with your love, your concern, your compassion. But Father, also, will you direct other family members, will you direct other, other parts of this body to, to just surround them and to love on them and to care for them, Father, to minister life to them, Jesus. I pray, Father, for for other family members in this room, Lord, that are just, they may be struggling in other ways, Lord God. Maybe, maybe Maybe there's brokenness in their marriage. Maybe there's brokenness with their children, Father. I just pray, God, that you would just intervene in that situation as well. And again, bring family members alongside them. I would just minister life to them. I thank you, Jesus, for what you're doing in this place. I thank you, Jesus, that your realities are not necessarily our realities. What we see here on earth is not necessarily how you see things. And right now, Father, through the midst of a pandemic, through the midst of a derecho storm, through the midst of, of racial injustices happening in our country, Father, and the polarization that's happening, Father, your kingdom is still moving forward. Help us, Father, as a church, as a family, to have a vision of your kingdom, of your purposes, of your direction in our life. And help us, Father, to not be distracted by the happenings of this, of this world, to be focusing on you. I thank you, Jesus, for my family. I thank you, Father, for loving them and for loving us. In Jesus' name.